Uh, great to have you with us this morning. Uh, as Tim said, we are in the book of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 for the most part. So if you have a Bible and want to turn there, it's great. Uh, we'll still have the, uh, all the verses up on the screen. Um, <clears throat> but before we begin, I'd like to open with prayer. Just ask for God's blessing on our time and, and of course, um, our province. So, uh, Lord God, we are thankful for this time. Thankful, God, that each week we get to, to gather either in person or online Thankful, Lord, that each week we can come uh, and expect to hear from you through your word, through the ministry of your spirit in our lives. Uh, Lord God, I pray that uh, this would be a really fruitful time. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be uh, attentive and to be open-minded, uh, open-hearted in a sense, Lord, to what you're saying. Uh, Lord, we pray uh, in general for our community, for our city, for our province, for the world, Lord, that, uh, that the pandemic would come to an end that we'd get a vaccine soon, uh, Lord, that you would bring uh, us back to normalcy. But Lord, I pray that we would not have the impression that uh, you've stopped working. Uh, in the meantime, I pray, Lord, that we would continue in faith, continue in perseverance, continue looking for ways to grow in our own uh, walk with you. And uh, Lord, for those tuning in who don't, wouldn't say they have faith, I pray, Lord, today would be a day when uh, they grow uh, in understanding about who you reveal yourself to be in the Bible, and uh, in this case today, Lord, uh, the hope that you provide for us, uh, the hope of heaven. So help us, Lord, to, to better understand you and ourselves, and I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Tim said, uh, to, we are very near the end of our sermon series, which was called uh, The End of the Beginning. So we're near the end of the end of the beginning. Um, and really, for the last few weeks, we've kind of been looking almost past the end, uh, because we've been looking at the new heaven and the new earth, which is beyond this age into the age to come. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've, we've focused on uh, what will not be in heaven, some of the things that will not be there, some of the things that will be there. But the thing that uh, remains to look at, and I want to look at it today, is, um, is what will we be like as human beings in heaven? Uh, right now, uh, we are not fit for heaven. Quite clearly. I mean, we're a mess for the most part, and you wouldn't expect to see any of us in heaven the way that we are now. Uh, in fact, something that we um, alluded to last week was a question that Moses asked God. He wanted to see his glory, see his face, and here was the response from God in Exodus 33:20: You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And that's because God is holy and pure and uh, his holiness burns with such a white hot intensity that it, um, well, it burns up all the impurities. And it's pretty clear that we are full of impurities. So if we are going to be in the presence of God, uh, something has to change. And in fact, that's exactly what we see, that there will be a massive change for the human being uh, before we step into the new heavens and the new earth uh, a fundamental change, not just uh, to our moral character or to us spiritually, but also physically. And the technical uh, theological uh, term for this is uh, to be glorified, uh, to be glorified. We find this uh, a few different places in the Bible. Uh, like I said, we're going to be mostly in 1 Corinthians 15, but uh, I just want to look at this briefly in Romans 8.30. If you're just wondering, this, this word, glorified, I haven't heard that before, where is it? Uh, here's one verse that kind of shows it in the context of our entire salvation. So verse 30 of uh, Romans 8 uh, says, Of Christians and those whom he predestined, this is God, those whom God predestined, he also called, those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. 
So there we see kind of the whole scope of our salvation. Uh, We see very clearly that God is sovereign. God is in control of the entirety of our salvation. Uh, Those, uh, he predestined us. He predestined who would be saved. He called us through the ministry of the Spirit, through the proclamation of the gospel. Then he justified us through the cross that we are made right in the eyes of God, all our sin taken away. And then lastly, uh, he will glorify us. Uh, That last part hasn't happened yet. And that last part is what I want to focus on for us in our time here. What does it mean that we will be glorified? In fact, uh, that's our starting question. There'll be a few questions this morning. Here's the first one. What does it mean uh, to be glorified? Because the word is uh, not that familiar. We, we don't use it that much, even kind of within uh, Christian circles. Um, there's a word that's more familiar, that's very closely associated with it, and that is uh, the word resurrected. To be resurrected and to be glorified are, are not synonymous, but they're very close. In fact, uh, Paul uh, references uh, them in 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 52. It's the first uh, sort of section we're going to look at. And he explains the dynamic between the two of them. He says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood, that's us right now, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, uh, which means die. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. There, uh, what he means is glorified. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. So what he's saying there is, uh, when Jesus returns... At the second coming of Christ, there will be some who haven't yet died. We're Christians, people walking around on the earth. Those who are in the ground dead, uh, they will be resurrected and then glorified. But some will not sleep. Some will be glorified immediately. And what you see there is what he says is everyone will be changed, some from the grave and some walking around. But all of us, all of us need to be changed. All of us need to be glorified for us to be fit for heaven. So the next question is, okay, well, uh, what does that mean exactly? Uh, I think the question that we all probably have is, how will our body be different when it is glorified? Uh, That's the second question. How will our glorified, or you might say resurrected body, be different? And we find this also in the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, There's a couple of verses where Paul gives us actually a lot of detail about the nature of this new body. So here's 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 46. He says, so is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is, uh, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, raised in power. It is sown a natural body and it is raised a spiritual body. So here Paul gives us uh, four pairs of contrasting words that really uh, highlight the change, the changes that are going to take place between our body now and our body then. And so we're going we're to look at each one, each pair, and see what the meaning is for us, what the uh, hopefulness and expectation should be for us if we're thinking about this future glorified uh, body. So we'll begin with uh, the first pair. He says, what is sown is perishable and what is raised is imperishable in uh, verse 42. And I'm not sure about you, but that uh, word perishable always makes me think of canned food. You know what I mean? Because of, the, because of the food banks, right? They always want you to bring in non-perishable food items because uh, p- food is generally perishable. Uh, no food bank wants you to bring in a bushel of fresh peaches uh, because they, they bruise, they rot. They're not going to make it until you give it to the person. What they want is canned peaches because canned peaches are non-perishable. They last, they're tough, 
they're, they're helpful. They, they can endure. That, that's the image that we should have between our body now and our body when we are resurrected. Because right now, we are very perishable. I mean, we literally bruise very easily. Uh, we can injure ourselves with a piece of paper, right? And we're like, oh, that, that really hurt. <laughs> that's how perishable we are. We, we get sick. Um, we age. Uh, some of us know this more than others, that things just start to not work the way that they used to work. There's all of a sudden less hair where there should be hair. There's more hair where there shouldn't be hair. It's, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. We are very, very perishable. Our bodies, our minds are slowly degrading, but our glorified body will be imperishable, which means that the expectation we should have for life in heaven is one without injuries, no sick days, no uh, genetic deformities, no degenerative conditions, no dialysis, no cancer, no Alzheimer's, no chronic pain, no tumors, no physical um, discomfort of any kind, no mental health issues of any kind, and no worries about that ever happening again. I mean, it's a, it's a wondrous reality that's tough for us to get our minds around, but there are glimpses of it uh, even now. In fact, there's a glimpse that I saw this week uh, from a family that, that I've known for a long time, the wardrobe family, and um, their daughter, Adriana, when she was very young, I think like one years old, was diagnosed with leukemia. And so there was all of a sudden for them, I mean, in children's hospital all the time, dealing with the treatment, I remember going to visit them, and it was, um, it was very uh, scary, not just because of the leukemia, because of sometimes of the treatments uh, of the disease. I remember one time going to visit and asking my, my friend Dan just, you know, how things were going. And he said, uh, he said last night, he said it was, it was tough. He said, I, we thought we were going to lose her. And what had happened was just uh, the, one of the IVs started to bleed. And she just lost so much blood so quickly. And she was so small that, uh, I mean, they, they really thought they were going to lose her. That's, that's the reality of this life that we have, this body that we have right now. Incredibly perishable, incredibly fragile. Those dealing with any manner of disease n- know what we're what I'm talking about, and for the wardrobe family, for Adriana, this has been part of her life um, for years. She's 18 now, and so every year, even though the treatment was successful and, and praise God she was healthy, she still had to go back every year to get blood tests, always wondering, is the cancer going to come back? Well, the snapshot I had of kind of the imperishability, the wonder of the healing of heaven, is that on Facebook this week, I saw a post from her mom, and it was a picture of Adriana and her oncologist. And the reason they put it up was that uh, when they went to the hospital this time, the oncologist said, look, from our point of view, uh, you are healthy. You are healed. Uh, there's, there's no more cancer that we can find. In fact, we don't want to see you anymore. Just go and, and live your life. You're, you're healthy. And they put it up to say, praise God. I mean, that, that's amazing. That's fantastic. And what I thought to myself is, however they're feeling, like when they got told that, that's how we're going to feel all the time in heaven. Just this this wonderful expectation of being able to go and live our lives, not having to worry about any injury or illness. I mean, there'll be no hospitals at all. That, that is the, the glory of the imperishability of our body, what we have to look forward to. And that's just the first thing. There's more. Here's the second thing. Um, verse 43 says, uh, it, our, our body now, is sown in dishonor and raised in glory. Now, here on earth, uh, our body is dishonorable uh, because of sin. Uh, because of, of the sins that we commit, uh, there is a, uh, we're tainted, we're marked by sin. Uh, sin is so vile that, that it stains our entire being. 
Um, a picture of this is there's a, a friend of mine who uh, put his barbecue, like left it out for the winter and came to clean it up in the spring. And when he opened the barbecue, he realized that a rat had made its nest right on the grill of the barbecue. And, and he, he said to me, I just couldn't, I couldn't use the barbecue anymore. Even though I cleaned it, disinfected it, just that, that image of this, this rat there, I had to, he had to get a new barbecue because it's so vile, right? You just can't imagine eating off of that. And that's kind of a little glimpse of, of like the, the vile nature of sin and how it taints us and how it, how it leads us to feel dishonorable and shameful. But listen, it's actually more complex than that because it's not just the sin that we've committed, that leads to this sense of dishonor. It's also the sins that have been committed against us. See, in, in our reality, there are many, many sins, uh, abuse of, of all kinds, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. There's betrayal. There's, there's violence committed against us. There are all manner of traumatic things that we experience, and they contribute to a sense of, of weightiness in our very body something that we carry with us wherever we go. Uh, there's a book that I've started to read recently that talks a lot about this dynamic in, in the human body. It's called uh, The Body Keeps the Score uh, by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. Uh, the subtitle, I'll put it up there, says Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. Uh, this doctor is an expert on trauma, not, not I, th- I don't think a Christian, but a very insightful book And um, he spent a lot of time helping people to deal with the traumatic experiences that they've been through and trying to find healing. And one of the points he makes is that traumatic experiences don't just affect us psychologically or emotionally, they also affect us physically. Which is why those dealing with uh, post-traumatic stress often have physical symptoms, not just those other symptoms. Here's a quote uh, from the book, just talking about this, this nature of this physicality for us as human beings. He says, the most natural way that we humans calm down our distress is by being touched, hugged, or rocked. This helps make us to feel uh, intact, safe, protected, and in charge. He says, you can't fully recover unless you feel safe in your own skin. And then he goes on to explain some of the the therapy that's involved, the physical therapy um, for those dealing with traumatic events. And he says this, just like... Just like you can thirst for water, you can thirst for touch. Touch uh, lets them, lets his patients know that they are safe. See, I think it's significant that the ultimate hope and healing that we will experience from God involves not just our soul, not just our spirit, not just our moral character, but also our bodies. When we enter heaven, we don't just have the expectation of, of seeing Jesus face to face and knowing that our Um, that our sins are wiped away, that that is true, but we also have the expectation of being in a body and being able to hug Jesus, being able to to squeeze him and have him squeeze us and being there physically. What this tells us is that Jesus is not going to scrap our old body and get us something new. He's not going to do away with our body completely. It tells us that he doesn't ignore all the physical effects of all that we have been through. What happens, what's going to happen is that he's going to glorify our sin-wrecked body to the point that we no longer feel the dishonorable effects of sin. The sin that we've committed, the sin that's been done to us. In a practical sense, what this means is that in heaven, each and every one of us is going to feel safe in our own skin. And for some of us, that might be for the very first time. 
But that's the power and the wonder of this glorified body that we have to look forward to. And I just want to say before we move on, I mean, that, that hopefully is just a great encouragement and hope for you. But if, if you are dealing with trauma, with the effects of trauma, can I just appeal to you to not try to do that on your own? I mean, the community of faith, the church is here to, to walk through things like this with each other, to, to be able to speak gospel truths into each other's lives and to be able to connect each other with, with professionals like this who can help each other work through trauma. We're, we should not think that we can do this kind of thing uh, on our own. And hopefully, um, hopefully you've reached out to someone. And if not, please contact us. We, we would want to walk through this with you. But we see here in the Bible that our hope is one of physical healing, one of, one of being glorified no longer in dishonor physically. The third thing we see uh, is the two words are weakness and power. Uh, what's sown in weakness is raised in power. Uh, now, it's pretty obvious that we are fairly uh, weak physically. Some more than others. I'm not going to name names. I'm just saying that there's a, there's a spectrum of strength. But even the strongest among us are, are really weak. If you think about all that we need to do in our lives, right? We've always depended on stronger things like, like oxen and horses and now uh, uh, robots and machines to do the heavy lifting in our, in our lives. So the idea of being raised in power should be fairly compelling. We should be thinking to ourselves, uh, power sounds good. What kind of power are we talking about here? Uh, I need to just temper your enthusiasm a bit um, we should not have the impression that we are going to be raised with God-like power, okay? We're not going to even be really like superheroes in heaven, flying around with like this kind of superhuman strength. That's not really what we get in scripture. Uh, we will have perfect human bodies as God intended them from the very beginning. So if you think of Adam and Eve, you don't get the sense that they were like shooting lasers out of their eyes and, and picking up mountains. They were, they were human, but they were, they were perfect specimens of humanity, so think of, you know, the fittest human being on the planet with perfect balance, perfect depth perception, perfect hearing, perfect sight, all of those things, that, that will be us. I mean, that, that is a compelling picture, especially when you consider the fact that our, our brains are a physical part of our body. And right now, I mean, I think our, we use about 10% of our brains. So we should have the expectation of having a full capacity for our brain power, that our brain will be perfect. We'll be able to comprehend just immensely complex math formulas will be able to, I mean, just dwell on the mysteries of God. It's, it's not saying that we will be God and know everything that God knows, but, but think of how often we're confused right now and we're trying to figure out things and how God is doing things. I mean, think of the, how much better we'll be able to worship Jesus when we can see clearly, much more clearly, who he is and how he's working in our lives. The more that you think about the realities of heaven, the more you realize why there's so much worship in heaven. Because everyone there is going to be so overwhelmed with all that they've been given and see so clearly who Jesus is, it will naturally overflow in, into worship all the time. So we're weak now. You're weak, but there will be greater power in heaven. Praise God. Fourth thing, uh, the two words are natural and spiritual. It is sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. Now, this may give you the impression, spiritual, that, um, that we're like angels. Because angels are kind of spiritual beings, which seems to almost contradict all the physicality that we've been talking about. But in this case, uh, what's being communicated is not what the body is composed of, but rather what is fueling the body or directing the body. For example, if I told you uh, that my car has a gasoline engine, 
you wouldn't in your mind think that it's made of gasoline. Right? That doesn't make any sense. You would think to yourself, oh, it's fueled by gasoline. And in the same way, a spiritual body, it means that it is fueled, empowered by the Spirit of God. Right now, that, that does not happen that much. I mean, it's possible. In fact, it's something that we're called to as Christians. We, we, we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. We're to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, but but it's, a, it's a challenge. It's something that um, we experience only imperfectly. Now, look at these words from Paul to the Ephesian church. He's talking about this, this importance of being filled with the Spirit. This is uh, chapter 5, verse 17. He says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we see there, uh, to be filled with the Spirit then is to be directed and empowered by God himself. And very clearly, it's meant to lead uh, to greater obedience, greater love, greater worship. But as I said, right now, we, we very rarely experience that uh, perfectly. I mean, there are times when I think we'd say, man, I, I, feel, I feel in the moment, I feel in the spirit, I feel like I'm filled with faith and conviction, like whatever God is calling me to, I'm going to do it. I'm not afraid. I'm not worried. But a lot of the time, we feel uh, maybe the opposite. We feel distant from God. We feel hesitant and doubtful. We find ourselves being uh, led into greater and greater sin or disobedience. We would say we're, we're not really being fueled by the Spirit. It's our own sin nature that, that is driving things. See, part of the promise of heaven is that we will have a glorified body, which means our entire being will be fueled by the Spirit of God. So our hearts, our minds, our bodies will be perfectly calibrated to respond to the Spirit of God at every moment of every day. If you think of one of those high-performance engines that's just like purring along at the highway, just humming, uh, it, that's the idea that we should have, that everything that God has designed us to be will be operating perfectly, and that's because we're, we're completely um, given over to what the Spirit is, is calling us to do. It will be wondrous, it will be freeing, it will be peaceful. This too is part of the, the idea of a glorified body. So, so already we've seen a lot of detail, right? The differences are, are pronounced. Uh, we're going to be imperishable, we're going to be glorious, we're going to be powerful and spiritual. But I think there are probably still some other questions. Uh, this is one of those topics that Christians in particular like to think a lot about. And it's understandable, right? Like, what exactly? This is good, Matt, but my real questions are, um, like, what am I going to look like? Right? Like, is anyone going to recognize me? Uh, how old will I be? Will we be the perfect age of 42, or is it going to be off a little bit, you know, depending on what you think is the perfect age? Um, another question I get a lot is, is, will our bodies produce any waste? Okay, big question I've had, not just from kids. Um, will we sleep? When we wake up in the morning, are we going to have to put product in our hair or is it going to be perfect? Like, how is this going to work? These are theological questions that are deeply important to us, apparently, as human beings. And uh, I think the best way to answer these kinds of questions is to look to the only example we have of a glorified, resurrected body, which is, of course, the body of Jesus. 
Jesus is, is the prototype, the first fruits. When we, when we see him described in the Bible after the resurrection, that is really the only uh, picture we have of what we will be like. And what we see is uh, helpful. It does fill in some of the gaps, some of them. Uh, here's one passage. Now, this, um, this is Jesus. He comes to see his disciples. This is right after Thomas, one of the disciples, says, Look, I'm not going to believe that Jesus is alive unless I see him in the flesh. And then he sees them in the flesh. Uh, here's John 20, 26 to 28. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. So what we see here is... Um, is at the same time uh, continuity between Jesus' old body and his new body, but also uh, some differences. I mean, Jesus very clearly is in the same body. That's part of the emphasis here, right? He's, he's got the body he was crucified in. You can see the scars. He's saying to Thomas, look, I'm the same person. Uh, he's got the same stature, the same gender, probably the same face because Thomas recognizes him. But at the same time, he's different. I mean, he's, he somehow got through a locked door, which makes us wonder, you know, can we do that? Can we materialize? That's, that's very exciting. Um, also, sometimes people have trouble recognizing him. See, this, this question of what's the degree of difference between our body now and our body then, this has always been a wonder. Uh, people have, have asked um, church leaders this question and asked each other this question for centuries. In fact, uh, at the time of the writing of 1 Corinthians, people have clearly been asking Paul these questions. Uh, because right sort of the beginning section about the resurrected body, Paul addresses this. Um, and so here's uh, chapter 15, verses 35. He says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And look at Paul's response. I love it. You foolish person. So gracious. <laughs> it's a dumb question. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen to each kind of seed its own body. So what he seems to be saying is, look, you're not going to know all of the answers to your questions, but you should kind of know how this is going to work because you know what happens to seeds and plants. Uh, seeds are the same organism, but they're different. So seeds have a, a kind of body, a kind of glory and purpose. They're put in the ground. And then they change, and, the, and a plant emerges, and it's got a different kind of body, but we know that there's a connection between the two. He's saying, look, that's how you should think of your body now and the resurrected, glorified body. It will be kind of the same, but also different. Uh, one commentator I, I read summarized it this way. He said, our glorified bodies will be a physical body raised to the degree of perfection for which God originally intended it which basically is another way of saying it will be you uh, made perfect. Us, us made, made perfect. As if we were born in, he, um, in Eden without sin, that, that's what we would be like, which, which I hope is, is really encouraging for us. Because what it means is that we will still be us, but we will be changed, we'll be improved, we'll be upgraded. It should be wonderful. Except I'm not sure that it's always seen as wonderful. I think there's one other question that we need to, to ask and kind of enter into it. And, and the question is this. Uh, what if 
What if even in spite of all of this, what if we don't love our bodies? Like at all. I, I don't just mean, what if we don't love the fact that we have a bad knee or, or we're losing our hair or something like that? I, I, mean, I mean, what if we've never really felt comfortable in our skin? What if honestly, if we were to just kind of tell you what we think about our bodies, we'd say, look, I don't like the body that God gave me. And, and the idea of being resurrected in the same body and living in this body forever, I, I, it's hard to feel hopeful when I think of the way my body is now. See, the truth, the truth is that human beings have always had a very complex relationship with our bodies. I mean, if you think about the different ways that we respond to the bodies that we have, uh, some of us, I mean, we spend a lot of time trying to perfect our bodies. Uh, we, we work out a lot. We uh, drink keto smoothies uh, only, and we try to, you know, reduce our body fat. We really are trying to sculpt our bodies into whatever uh, the world says is best because we only feel really good about ourselves if we can meet those standards or even maybe our own standards, and it, it's exhausting. There's others of us who've realized long ago, look, we're, we're never going to meet those standards, and so we struggle with feelings of insecurity, uh, insecurity about about our weight, about our body type, which often leads to really destructive thoughts and destructive behavior, um, results in anxiety and depression, uh, eating disorders, and, um, and a sense of, of, of worthlessness sometimes because we're seeing ourselves in light of all these images that we see on screens all around us. But there are still others that would say, look, my body doesn't even reflect who I really am. I mean, it's not, it's not the right gender. It's not the right sexuality. Our culture, because of all of these body issues, is getting to the point where more and more people are saying, look, my, my true self is distinct from my body. It's not even the same thing. Uh, transgender individuals would say, I think, look, there's a true me, and it, you can't look at my body and see who I am. There's a truer me on the inside. Our hookup. A dating culture would say, look, what I do with my body, who I do it with, is just a physical thing. It has nothing really to do with, with me. What we should understand, though, is that this is not uh, actually something new in terms of human culture. I mean, the ancient Greeks, they, they had the idea that the spiritual was pure, but the physical is, is corrupt. Uh, Eastern religions, to this day, would say, if you really want peace, what you need to do is transcend the body. And I've noticed more and more these days that a lot of science fiction ends with someone uploading their consciousness into a computer and leaving the body behind. All of this gives the impression that if we are really going to evolve or make it to this, this peaceful plane of existence, it's going to happen without our body because there's a true us that is independent of our body. So in light of this, we should be asking, I think, a question about how do we see the hope of a physical resurrection in light of all the discontentment that exists for human beings about our bodies. I mean, as the church, how do we help individuals who are struggling with this kind of discontentment and how do we lead them to really see this, this biblical teaching as genuinely hopeful? Well, the first thing, I think always the first thing, is that uh, we, need to, we need to be ready to enter into the to struggles of the people around us. Um, as the church, we need to be quick to listen and very often not quick to speak. Uh, we need to really understand the, the hurts that are real hurts, the real discomfort uh, that people are, are feeling all around us. 
for us to really show love, we need to be able to enter into that space with them and walk with them, people in our lives, in our family. But if we are to show true love, that also means speaking truth. And it means really helping people to understand who they are in light of what God has revealed in his word. And the truth is that the most loving answer to all of our body issues is, is not actually to reject our body or to escape our body. It's, it's to redeem our bodies. To understand that the hope of the gospel is a redemption of the body. And that doesn't just mean uh, that we will be restored in glory. I mean, that's, that we, that's what we've seen so far. That is the real hope of the gospel. But the other part is that we will actually see ourselves the way that God sees us. So it's not just the hope that things are going to get fixed and that it will be right, it will, but that we will actually be able to, to see ourselves as having value and worth. Because if you look at the Bible, it, it actually affirms the dignity and value of the human body from beginning to end. I mean, we were created with a body. God could have created us any way he wanted. He could have made more angels. He made a lot of angels, and they don't have bodies, and they seem pretty great. But he decided to make a universe that has a physicality to it, material to it, and we are material beings. And after he made all of that, he said, look, this is very good. And by very good, what he meant was this is perfectly designed for these beings that I have created to be uh, full of joy and satisfaction and peace. I mean, it, it was perfect. It was physical and perfect. The thing that changed is, is of course, our disobedience, our fall into sin, ruined the, the physical world that God has made. But we should recognize that, that the physicality itself, our bodies itself, are not originally the problem. The other uh, the other thing we should note is the fact that Jesus, I mean, he took a human body. He came in the flesh. Uh, if you're ever feeling kind of uncomfortable about the body that you have, think about how Jesus felt. Having been, you know, God, immaterial spirit, omnipresent, omnipotent, and then now he's in like an eight-year-old body, having to walk places, tripping over things. Uh, that would have been very uncomfortable. Uh, he, he knows what it feels like to not feel quite at home in his body. And, and just so you know, Jesus, um, he probably didn't look like all of the pictures in the kids' Bibles. You know where he's chiseled and he's totally ripped. Um, the only real insight we get into what he looked like is from the book of Isaiah, prophesying about the Messiah. Look at what it says about this in verse 2. It says, He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. You know, Jesus knows what it feels like not to be desired. He knows what it feels like to be uncomfortable and weak and abused and rejected in his body. And yet, amazingly, he did not leave his body behind. I mean, he, he came in the flesh and lived the life that we should have lived to earn the righteousness that we need. And then he died in the flesh to atone for all of our sin. But you would kind of think after that, he would say, look, I'm done with this whole body thing. I'm going up to heaven. It was way better before, but he doesn't. He's resurrected in the body. He ascends up into heaven in the body. When we go to meet him, he will have a physical body still. That should tell us a, a few things. For one thing, it, it gives us a picture of our own you know, redeemed, glorified body, but also it, it helps, us to see, helps us to see clearly what our bodies are worth in God's eyes. It helps us to see um, how God sees us in Christ to see our value. Because that's probably the biggest struggle for us. 
in our bodies right now is, is that we see ourselves uh, through the lens of other people, the words of other people that have spoken things into our lives, things, lies that we believe about ourselves. It's tough to see ourselves as really worthwhile. But it helps if we can get a grasp of the value that we have for God. So here's a, an example of, of how this can work. Um, I've been cleaning out my basement uh, recently. I'm going to do some, some renos, hopefully. Um, but I've been doing some cleaning, and if you've done any you know, cleaning out of your basement, you know that you end up with two piles, at least. One is the dump pile that's just like junk. The other pile, though, is like stuff that you're like, eh, I think someone might buy this stuff. This is my Craigslist pile. So um, now that part is true. This next part is not true, but just go with me. Uh, imagine if in my Craigslist pile um, there was a clock that I found like just in some old boxes sort of from our family, and I thought to myself, it looks kind of like an antique clock. I bet someone would buy this. So I put it up on Craigslist for like 100 bucks. Shoot for the moon. And I get a hit right away. Someone says, oh, I'm interested in that clock. And they come, and they're looking at it, and I can tell that they're a little bit uneasy, and I think to myself, I'm going to lose this sale. So I say, you know what? Look, I'll take 75 for it, even 50. Like, make me an offer. And the guy says, no, no, it's not that your, your price is too high. It's, it's that it's too low. And I say, what do you mean? He's like, look, I don't feel right buying this clock from you, uh, knowing what I know. This is a very valuable clock. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, look here, th this, is a, this is a Thomas Tompion clock. He built clocks in the 18th century. This clock is probably worth a lot. I'm like, what do you mean? And, and so he pulls up on his phone. He's like, look, here's, here's one of the clocks that he made. And this is a real clock. You can take a look at this. He sold at auction for $4 million. That's how valuable some of these clocks are. Okay, now think of what will shift in my mind, my evaluation of this clock all of a sudden. I won't necessarily think that it's that valuable, but if other people are willing to pay hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars for this clock, I all of a sudden will, will treat it very differently. The value will change because I will see what it is worth. That's what the cross does for us. The cross tells us what we are worth in God's eyes because we know Jesus paid everything. We, we were bought by the blood of Christ. That's the, that's the amazing truth of the gospel. Not just that we are redeemed, but that we see ourselves as we truly are. Not as we think ourselves to be, not as the world has told us that we are. We are not worthless. We are not going to be discarded. We have been redeemed and purchased by the blood of Christ. And that tells us, that tells us who we are, and, and then it tells us what we should do with our bodies even now. Here's the last verse we're going to look at. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, talking about our bodies, it says this, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Do you see, that's, that's telling us what we will be doing for all of eternity with this perfect glorified body. We will be glorifying God because of the fact that he redeemed us, he purchased us, I don't know right now where you sit in the spectrum of discomfort or contentment with your body, but hear me. What the Bible makes very, very clear is there is hope in the gospel. There is hope for us to be free from the condemnation of our sin, but there is also hope in the, in the image of heaven, in the image of how we will be changed because we will not just be healed and, and wiped clean from our sin, we will be made new and we will be able to see ourselves in that newness, in that life. We'll be able to live in that. See ourselves perfectly the way that God has made us and that God intended us to be. 
And the amazing part of this whole redemption is that it actually, it begins even now. It begins now with the redemption of our mind, the redemption of our heart, that we can even now begin to see ourselves in that light, and it anticipates the completion of that redemption with our physical bodies, our glorified bodies in heaven. We step into the presence of God, made perfect and pure, no longer discontent, no longer uncomfortable, no longer feeling that something isn't right. Everything will feel very, very right. And we will be completely at peace with who we are. That's the wonder of the cross and the hope that, that God has given us. So my hope for us is that as we contemplate that the future glories of heaven, that we see that it, it begins now, and that if we see ourselves in light of, of the cross, uh, we will and can find peace even now, even though everything has not yet been made right in our bodies, even though we are still anticipating the coming glories of heaven. So I'm going to pray for us and pray that this, these truths uh, sink deep into our hearts and our minds and really do bring peace for us uh, today. Let me pray. Lord God, we are thankful for, for the picture you've given us uh, in, in the reality of a glorified body. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for the cross for the truths that it communicates about uh, the hope that we now have, that our sins are washed away, that the penalty of sin has been taken from us, but also, Lord Jesus, that we can see our true worth. Lord Jesus, that you loved us to the point of giving your life for us. Lord Jesus, your, your, your intention was to show the, the mercy of God and to welcome us into the family of God. I, I pray, Lord Jesus, that each and everyone listening would have that hope. Lord, that we would know that our identity is now in you and that, um, and that whatever other ways um, we've, we've been seeing ourselves, uh, Lord, it's not true. What's true is, is what you see in us, what you've made us to be. And so I pray, please, that you would, you would help us in the midst of our struggles. Maybe it's struggles with discontentment about the way our bodies look. Maybe it's just the having to endure the physical pain or illness that is present in this world. I, whatever it is, Lord Jesus, I pray, please, that you would bring great hope and comfort into our lives in light of the glories of heaven. And Lord, that uh, we would look to bring that same hope into each other's lives. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that you came in the flesh and that you died for our sins. I, I pray that we would have uh, the hope of glory and that it would be in the forefront of our minds and our hearts each and every day. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.